Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everybody. There's nothing better in this life than being on hold for 24 minutes and 38 seconds with the VA hospital. And the person that finally picks up the phone pretends like they can't hear you after saying hello twice and hangs up. Oh, I love it. I love getting my day started like that. How's everybody doing? I don't even know what the date is today. Oh, it's the 23rd. I'm recording today on the 23rd. Man, I have had a hell of a week. I'm going to tell you, I've said this in the past. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And none of this stuff in life means anything if you're not healthy. Think about it. Not just physical health, but mental health overall. When your physical health is in the tank, so is your mental health. Listen, I just had to go on the road for a week and I'm glad that I'm able to do what I'm, what I do, do teach post-traumatic purpose to first responders all around the country. I absolutely love what I do, but I'm going to tell you right now, it is so hard when you are beat down and you are literally sick. So I got over, um, I got over COVID several weeks ago and all of a sudden the week before I have to go back on the road to Virginia, the symptoms came back. I wasn't contagious. I actually went to the ER. I had them check me. My lungs, I couldn't breathe. They checked me for pneumonia. Um, I, they, um, I was fine. Well, I wasn't fine, but I had an upper respiratory infection that wasn't contagious. I, I need to say that. So I was getting ready to cancel all of my Virginia dates and I don't cancel anything. And I was, I was sitting there, I was talking to my wife and I go, how can I cancel these people that, that, you know, set up these events? And I was like, but if, if I can't go, like if I'm not going to be able to go, I don't half ass anything. I don't phone anything in. I, I believe in going hard in the paint with everything you do in life. If you, I teach this in my class. If you're, if you can't give a hundred percent, to whatever it is you're doing, then you need to bow out. Because what is the point? What is the point in giving anything 99%? What, why do you just do something to just not be the best you can, do the best you can at it? I, I don't know. Maybe my brain is just different, but I've always been that way. And I think that's why I accomplish a lot of things early in life and really quickly. It's because when I set my mind to something, I'm all in. And I do everything I can to be the best that I can be at anything. I don't care what it is. I'm not saying I'm great at everything, but I do the best I can. And I try to teach my children the same thing. So I get in the car on the, uh, 
on the 16th and I head to Virginia. I had to go to Augusta County, Virginia to do an event with the Augusta County emergency service workers and spouses. And these people showed up, man. It was what an, I was so proud of them for coming out. This was on a Saturday morning. College football is in. The weather is beautiful. And people came out despite whatever they had going on in their lives. They came out and they shared four hours of their time with me. I can't tell you how amazing that feels. Like when I was doing stand-up comedy, people would come out for entertainment, right? So people want something to do. People want to go out. They want to get drunk. They want to laugh. They want to have a lot of fun. There's not a lot of people that want to put aside, set time aside in their day to go learn about real hard-hitting truths about mental health. That's just not exciting. So when I see people show up in droves, that excites me. And it I can't I can't express the how overwhelming that feels. So we get up there and I I, I see my boy Chris who made all this thing happen. Thank you, Chris, for for setting all this up for everybody in Augusta County and thank you for having me in. And I, I look at Chris and I'm like, dude, I'm not well. I was like, I don't know. And I told him, I said, if you see me fall down today, this is not part of what I do. Like, this isn't me putting on a show. I'm fucked up. So if, I had no energy. I was sweating. I, I mean, the room was nice and comfortable for everybody else, but it felt like it was 200 degrees to me. I was pouring sweat. Didn't have a temperature. We had a paramedic check me. He checked my blood sugar. My, my heart rate was doubled. Right. And he's like, well, it could be because you drank coffee. And I was like, I didn't drink coffee. So it could be because you're nervous. And I'm like, dude, I've been in front of people for 15 years of my life. I, I don't get nervous talking about things. I was fucked up, man. And there were a couple times when I was up there speaking for that four hours. That event actually lasted five hours. Excuse me. Check this out. So we ended up having a great event, man. I ended up just pushing through doing what I got to do because that's, I mean, that's what you got to do, right? And at the end, I was I was asking, I asked the audience, I was like, does anybody have any questions? And I looked at them and, and nobody had any questions. And I said, that's bullshit. And I go, you just sat here for four hours. Four hours and nobody has one single question. See, this is the hard part about mental health. The hard part is this. When you ask questions after a mental health seminar, people get nervous because they think, well, if I ask a question, people are going to think I have a problem. And it goes back to being concerned what other people may think about us. And it always takes one question to blow the doors off. And so we ended up staying there for an hour. One person finally, it was a major with the police department. He finally asked a question. And then the questions just wouldn't stop coming after that. And that's what I love about post-traumatic purpose is when we can get in there and start asking questions and everybody starts learning. So I packed my bags up for the first few minutes of this is just going to be story time. <laughs> um, I pack my bags up after that. Chris and I go to lunch. We have a good lunch. And then after that, I have to go to D.C. Now, I haven't been into Washington, D.C. since I was a kid, since I was in sixth grade. And we went to, you know, a school school trip there for a week. Holy shit, that place is wild. I, that, you know, I've been in big cities um, my whole life. I've been around them. But, man, D.C. traffic is, is just an extra kind of fucked up if you've never been there. They have a grid system, man. But they got all these shoot-off roads that cut across. And it's, it's just weird. So... We ended up doing multiple multiple events with the DC peer support team, and I can't thank them enough for having me out. What a phenomenal experience it was with Local 36 sitting down in the basement of their union hall 
talking about this stuff and about how real it was. The head fire chief came out. The main man of the entire department comes out to this and sits through it. And the reason I tell you that is because when I talk about leadership in my course, I talk about leadership being 24-7, not just when it's convenient. A lot of people in leadership, they always find better things to do. There are, there are departments around the country right now where the leadership, the top officials are sending people to classes and they don't even know what kind of classes they're going to because the leadership has better things to do. They don't come out for themselves and they don't learn about this stuff. That's not for me. That's for you. And that's utter, uh, that's complete bullshit. That's what that is. So when you look out into an audience and you see the head people there, the chief, this his chief of staff, you have other battalion chiefs in there out of a 2000 man department that says something about the leadership. That's phenomenal. Hats off to you, DC. The next two days I had in Prince William County, Virginia, um, we had amazing events there. Those were those were really fun events because, like I say, I'm normally doing first responders and uh, hospital workers and doctors and stuff like that. Well, um, Prince William was a little bit different this time. I got to see my boy Kevin and my boy Kenny, and it was just it's always nice to see familiar faces. But this one was different because we we had social workers in there. We had I want to say close to 200 the first day around 150 the second day and the majority were not first responders so it was really neat to be able to explain to those outside of these professions what it is we really do because I think a lot of times when people see a fire truck or a police car going by they don't think anything about it the only thing that they're concerned about is if they're speeding and if they're speeding somebody picks up the phone and tattletales but what they don't think about is where are those where are those guys and girls coming from right now? Were they just on the worst call of their life and they're inside of that truck trying to piece together what just happened or what they saw and now they're heading back to the fire station to figure out how do we deal with this? And how they deal with it is they just go back and get ready for the next one. People don't think about that. When you see a fire truck or a police car driving by, you don't you don't realize what that officer may have just come back from. Wait, what that first responder may have just come back from, and now they have to go eat lunch and get ready for the next one. That Prince William event, man, I, I, it was it was nice to be back there because when I did it several months prior, I did it back in March, apparently it made enough noise to where they wanted me to come back and they wanted to get even more people out. And they did a tremendous job at getting people out, man. So hats off to Prince William County. Um, I, I'm going to admit, I... I could not get caught up between sleep and travel. And when I when I do these events, I get massive headaches. I'm going to just be honest with you. I get massive headaches. I've never been a migraine guy. But after these events, I'm so smoked because I literally relive a lot of horrible things. And I don't sell people short when I go, when I have to, when I have to talk about it. And it does something to you. It's very, very difficult. And I think a big part of why a lot of people don't open up is because of the way it makes you feel. It is exhausting mentally and physically. I, I would go back every day I was in bed. If you saw my Instagram stories, I was in bed every day at one o'clock for the rest of the day. I remember my friend Al, he came down from Baltimore and he goes, and I love Al, and, and, but he goes, hey man, you want to go hang out? And this was uh, after I said, no, dude, I got to go to bed. And he's like, dude, it's 12 o'clock. What are you going to do? Go lay in bed for 12 hours? I go... No, I'm gonna lay in bed for longer than that. It's very hard for me to function. I don't. I don't. It's like it almost makes you you physically ill, 
And not to mention, I was battling the after effects of COVID. And all that. So it was just a really rough week. But I'm back here at the farm. I'm regrouped. I went to the gym for the first time now in like fucking 15 days. Um, I'm feeling feeling pretty good and I'm motivated again. You know, I had a call from a firefighter yesterday who told me that they came out to an event. I don't drop names when I, when I talk about people's personal stuff, but this firefighter told me he's been in the business 19 years. And when he came out to the event, he was expecting it to be good, but he wasn't expecting it to be what it was. And he said it just hit him on a whole different level. And the cool part is this. He said it made him want to go home and talk to his wife instantly. And that's that's what this is all about, man. That's that's what it's about. It's opening up lines of communications because we have a language barrier between us and our spouses. It's no different than me trying to talk Spanish or someone's talking Spanish to me. I don't understand Spanish. I don't know it. I know Paquito. That's it. And I learned that. Um, I could make a very sick joke, but I'm not going to. I'm going to keep this professional because y'all know how I roll. Um God, my mind goes goes some bad places real quick. But uh, that's what this is all about. It's about sitting down and having those uncomfortable conversations with people so they understand you more. So they understand why you freak out and why you get cold and why you seem so heartless at times. It's not that you're a bad person. I remember I used to feel like such a bad person because I would make comments about things and I wouldn't feel pity and I wouldn't feel sorry for people. I wouldn't have empathy for people. I had no compassion. But then I felt like a bad man. Like if I would say something and then a family member would look at me or, you know, you could feel disdain coming from them. And it's not that I was a bad person. It's just that I didn't possess those traits anymore because something was done to me so long ago. Like my body, it was almost like my my soul was cleansed of having all of that. And the beautiful thing is I'm not that person anymore. I've grown away from that person. And I want to talk about a phone conversation I had with with, with a brother of mine that um, he was in special operations community in the military. And we had a conversation a week ago, two weeks ago. And it was it was amazing, man, because he was telling me that, you know, he was having a hard time. And he was having a hard time because he's been out of the military for a long time now. And he's still having a problem reacclimating to society. He's real really still having a problem adjusting to civilian life because when you go when your life is a thousand miles an hour and it's full of adrenaline and it's full of purpose and then all of a sudden you leave that job that day and you walk into a world that's zero miles per hour with zero purpose. You got to recreate your purpose. That's a hard adjustment for a man or a woman who just went from feeling like they had everything and they were on top of the world to now feeling like they have nothing and they have nothing left to contribute and nothing left to give. That's why so many of these, these uh, military folks, man, when you hear about them doing so many tours, they live for that shit. That is their life. That's the juice that keeps them going. That's, that's that shot of adrenaline in their soul that makes them feel needed and purposeful. That's what they live for. And to their spouses, it seems selfish. Why do you keep signing up to go back when you have all of this? Well, it's easy to sit back when you don't understand what it feels like to be in those situations. So it's easy to sit back and ask somebody, why would you do that when you have us here? It's not that these people love their families any less, 
But I tell people all the time, in order for me to be good, my family to be good, I have to be good. I have to be selfish enough to do the things that make me feel purposeful, that give me the gift of life. I have this beautiful farm. I cannot sit on this motherfucker all day, every day. I just can't do it. As beautiful as it is, as peaceful as it is, if I sit still too long, that peace, that peace will start start crumbling. And a peaceful place for me gets very dangerous after time because I'm not doing what I'm meant to do. I'm not meant to sit still. I'm I'm a fucking Corvette. I'm wired like a like a race car. Like I need to be on the track. I need to be out getting after it. I need to come in from my tune up, get my new wheels on, get my oil changed. Need to do all of that, but I need to get back on that track. And while I'm at home getting my tune up, that's my family time. When I'm getting that tune up, that's when I want to be around the people I love. But when I'm ready to go, you got to get me out of the pits, man. I got to get back on the track so I can get in front of my life. And that's what it's like. So after talking with my dude, you know, it's it's just kind of sad because we both know that life is not always going to be, you're not going to have that what we call op tempo. You're not always going to be living on the edge, real life, real civilian life, you got to create those opportunities. And that's called creating purpose. And I think purpose comes and goes so many times through a person's life, or it can anyways, for me, it has, it's always been about what interests me today. And I, it's funny because I, I hear people, they're like, man, you were a cop, a Marine, a firefighter, a comedian. You can't keep a fucking job. And it's like, no, that's that's not it. If that's the way your narrow mind wants to see it, fine. But I'm a man of change because I've realized I don't have to do the same thing my entire life to be happy. What I need to do is all of the things in life that interest me, and I need to do them the, to the best of my ability. And when that fire burns out, it burns out and I find something different. If I suddenly get passionate about crocheting blankets for puppies, I'm going to fucking do it. And I'm going to be the best puppy blanket crocheting son of a bitch that I can possibly be. You know, for, for so long, we were taught to not talk to people who can't relate to us. And I take it back. It's not even that we're taught that. You just learn that. That's a human instinct. That's a natural reaction I think the body has. It's like, well, how can I explain to you that what I've been through if you've never even been close to seeing or understanding what I've been through? It's just, it's a foreign conversation with someone. And I think our natural instinct is to just shut down and avoid avoid that because I think it would be harder to have a conversation, well, I think the human mind thinks it's harder to have a conversation with someone that doesn't relate, and then you have to explain it all. And then you have to explain why it doesn't relate, and so it's exhausting. So naturally, we just avoid those conversations. But I'm going to tell you right now, from experience, the most healthy thing a human being can do for their family and for people they care about is to have those conversations, no matter how difficult. Because if you don't, you are literally driving a wedge between you and your family because the way that you react to certain things, you got to understand some triggers you may never even really be able to identify. Like you can't really put a finger on some triggers. Sometimes you you just react to things and you don't know why you're reacting. But if you sit down 
with the people you care about and start explaining a little bit about why you are the way you are, why some things that they do cause certain reactions. Like yesterday, I was talking to another friend who was, who was telling me about um, why he's affected um, being at the beach because he's worked a lot of drownings on the beach, right? And so when he takes his family to the beach, he freaks out when he can't see his almost grown daughter within eyesight. And I understand that because I get it. But if you never have that conversation with the people you love when you go to the beach and then you start freaking out and you're not comfortable and you're nervous Nelly and you're in a bad mood at the beach, people are going to just think you're a grumpy fucker who doesn't like the beach. When underneath the surface, they don't understand that you've pulled people out of those same waters and done compressions and done uh, resuscitation on people on that, on that sand. So the sand between people's toes that makes them feel all kinds of happy and gritty. When that sand is in your toes, it takes you back to a shitty spot, you know? And how do they, how are they supposed to know that it bothers you if you never talk to them? I think the hardest thing in the world a human being can do is become vulnerable is talk about things. I tell people all the time in this, in these classes that I teach, I've had the pleasure my life this is one cool thing that I, that I can say. I have been around the hardest individuals that the earth has to offer. Some of the toughest human beings known to man. There's not a person that I meet anymore, literally, that intimidates me, that makes me think, oh, this is a tough son of a bitch. Because I see through it. What I've realized is this. All of the tough people that put on these fronts, that's exactly what it is. It's nothing more than a front because they are scared of their true selves. I was that guy. I lived the one of the fakest lives that I've ever lived was for a very long time when I was going through these professions. I was pretending to be tougher than I was because mentally I needed to believe that. I needed to believe that I could handle anything that I'd ever been through. I needed to believe that I was one of the baddest dudes on the planet because that was my way of preparing for all of the horrible situations. The problem is when you live that way for so long, you are convinced of that. You actually believe your own bullshit. And then when you leave those professions, you continue believing that. You continue living your life thinking that about yourself. It's very hard to turn off. Here's the problem. It's very exhausting. Once I finally came to terms with who I really am as a man, you know what I found out? I found out that the more vulnerable, the more honest side of me was the strongest version of myself ever. And I was running from that guy my entire life. So when I see these guys wincing and squinting and trying to stare holes through me when I'm talking sometimes when they, when they come out to these things and they're wearing their tight shirts and they're all flexed up and all that and they try to pretend like nothing bothers them, I get it. But I know that guy. And I know one day that's the guy who unfortunately is going to eat a fucking bullet because he's too tough in his own mind to talk to somebody about things. And it, man, it breaks my heart because I always tell people, look, we can still be tough and still do like cool guy stuff, right? It just because, just because, or excuse me, we can still be vulnerable and still do tough guy things. You can still be a tough guy and be vulnerable. I think it actually makes you tougher.
I'm, I think I talked about that recently because there's been, there, there were two, two re, very recent incidents that, that happened and just kind of makes me laugh, man, that people are still like that. But I guess that's never going to go away because that's, I guess that's the macho side of being a man and being an alpha male. That's what it's all about. It's about who can walk around and be the loudest gorilla in the room, like the biggest chest and who can pound their chest the biggest. And it's like I say, that's usually just a defense mechanism. That is, I hope nobody messes with me because they think I'm tough. That's what that's about. That's the guy in the gym that has all the muscles and the littlest shirts that's walking around and wants everybody to see how intimidating he is honestly, because deep inside He's a pussy. I've seen that guy too many times. I've seen those guys slapped in the face by by other men. I've seen this happen. And they don't do anything about it. Because they realize in that instant, I'm not that tough. This is all a costume. And that's what it is. I was called um I was called boring the other day by somebody. <laughs> Cause they're like, you're gonna go out and get some drinks and get dinner? And I was like, no, I'm going, I'm going to lay down. And and then somebody's like, now, that's a pretty boring life. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, if you only know, if you only, excuse me, if you only knew, I like that song that T.I. sings. He says, if you think I'm bad now, you should have seen me before I had children. Let me tell y'all something. Ain't nobody on the other end of this podcast could hang with this old boy back in the day. <laughs> I got, man, I'll tell you, when we go out on the boat in Charleston, it's funny because we were out there, my family my wife and kids and we were out there with some other families and a couple weeks ago and we were at a sandbar, all the boats were pulled up and anchored and everybody's around. They're having their drinks and everything, but we, you know, we're in our forties all chilled out now. And I was just looking around laughing cause my old ass, I'm just sitting there having a sandwich and I'm, I keep my shirt on now. I'm in the shade on the boat underneath the top, the T top. And it takes me back. We were in the same, in the same spot where one time when I was a younger firefighter, when I was all I was all muscled up and everything and bronzed up and it was it was something good to look at. Uh, I remember one day. Well, this was, I mean this wasn't one day, but uh, this was this happened quite often because this was funny to us. A bunch of firefighters. We would always go out on a boat. And it was just a bunch of dudes on the boat, and we would get all we would get all busted up and all liquored up and everything. And I always had these uh, these little tight shorts on underneath my what we call board shorts. If you live in the Kansas or Montana, wherever, if you don't know what board shorts are, those are just like surfing shorts, um, beach shorts, whatever you want to call them. But I always wore these really tight little compression shorts underneath and it kept all my stuff real tight. And, uh, so what I would do is I had this old cowboy hat and about the time we get good and good and drunk there, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of boats all anchored up and everything. We would turn on Fergie or just turn on like music that a bunch of guys should not be listening to on a boat. And I would just ride on the bow in my little tight shorts with, 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 in all of his glory. Like I may or may not have pulled a cucumber out of the um, cooler and had it in my pants. And listen, listen, I'm just saying in a cowboy hat. Um, and I would just start waving to guys and, and I would just yell, Hey boys. And it, you could see it would make them so uncomfortable. There would be dudes that would throw bottles at us and the girls would all be laughing because they knew we were messing around, but you could see how uncomfortable it made a lot of the guys. And I love doing that. I used to love making people uncomfortable. I don't know why, but we're out on a boat having a good time. And there's this place in Charleston called Shim Creek where there's restaurants on both sides and you have to take a boat and there were families. And I'm, listen, this is just, I'm not bragging, but this is just kind of 
how I was. I liked having fun and I loved bringing smiles to people's faces. We would putt putt up Shim Creek going very slow with that same music going. And while it was, I wouldn't say family, so it makes it sound bad. Let me, let me, let me step back. This is where everybody would go to drink. All right. That sounds much better. And these bars were outside and everything. And, um, I would do the same thing, but I would yell like, Hey boys. And, and all that. And then I would do like, you remember when Forrest Gump jumped off of his own shrimp boat into the water? I would do that. And I jump into the water and people would be dying laughing. And you could see the disgust on these dudes faces. And man, I was just living life. I was being a young, you know, 20 mid middle-aged 20 year old. Actually it was two years ago. No, I'm kidding. But I was in my twenties, you know, and just living life. And that's the guy I was when you came to work, man. When you came to work with me, you better put on your seatbelt because we're going for a ride. You know, I talk about that in my book, Create Your Own Light. When I used to, I would streak fire stations. I was not a model employee. I'm going to tell you right now, I was not a, a great representative, um, someone you would want on a calendar of a recruiting poster. I'm just going to say that. I did the job and I did it well. When it was time to go to work, we worked. But man, I stirred up some shit. I remember I was streaked. I streaked a fire station one time and I didn't realize our chief was out back and he was talking to somebody, but I had a scream mask on. And I talk about this in my book. If you don't have my book, the story's in there. And I ran by, I didn't know he was back there. I thought it was just the captains back there. And when I saw him, I got scared because I was like, oh shit, that's one of the chief, that's my battalion chief. So I just kept running and I ran behind um, some project houses behind our, uh, <laughs> our fire station. And I had to sneak back to the fire station and the captains were dying laughing because they knew it was me. And they were saying the chief was freaking out. They didn't know who it was. And then when he told, they were like, you know, that was Travis house. The chief was like, let me get out of here before I lose my whole job. But yeah, so we had a good time. And it's, it's funny because now when people are like, you're boring when you won't go out, I'm like, you know what, man, uh, you just, you just don't know. I do think about it though. I'm like, man, what would it be like to just go out and get busted up one last time? And I'm like, nah, it ain't going to happen. Cause I, I would, I would, I don't think I'd live through the night. Just, I think, I don't think I could handle more than two drinks right now. I think honestly I'd pass out. I want to um, talk about grinding and the reason not grinding on one another. I'm talking about grinding in with something you love as far as like um, a profession or something that you want to do, what does it mean to grind, right? I think people have misconceptions. I was talking with another guy a while back, and he said he was at a seminar, and a guy was talking about you don't know what grinding is until you're sleeping underneath your desk at the end of the day. And that doesn't necessarily mean like if you're not sleeping under your desk, that that doesn't mean you don't know how to grind. It doesn't mean you don't know how to work hard. That means you don't know how to balance your fucking life. Okay, let me explain something to you. I know grinding and I know not being able to balance my life. All right. I think people try to try to beat their chest and they're like, look how hard I grinded. I sleep underneath my desk. And it's like, well, that tells me that you wake up and you probably don't brush your fucking teeth. You nasty son of a bitch. You know what I mean? Just because you work hard doesn't mean you do it the right way, because at the end of this life, when you grind, and you grind so much that you do sleep under your desk. And you grind so much that you're never home. Who misses out on that? You miss out on your life. For what? For money? Think about it. It's stupid. You miss out 
on your family. You miss out on your children. You miss out on life experiences because you were too worried about making so much money that you work yourself to death. I know about grinding. I can speak intelligently, maybe not intelligently, but I can speak unintelligently all day on grinding. I can, I know what it's like to drive five different states in, in a day, day and a half and sleep in your car in every single state, you know, along the way, because you're just falling asleep at the wheel because that's grinding because you're working so hard. Does that mean that that's what everybody has to do to become successful? Fuck no, that's stupid. Working hard and working smart. You ever heard or heard of the, the old saying, work smarter, not harder? When you grind so much that you're missing out on life, you're not working smarter. You're working harder. This is a concept that annoys me because, trust me, I have to pull the reins back on myself all of the time. I have to force myself to take breaks. I have to force myself to shut my laptop down. I have to force myself to not answer emails, to not answer things when it's hard for me to do because I'm a go-getter all the time. I'm always on. But I realize as an older man, I realize the importance of life now. I realize what is really important. What's important? You going out and making a couple hundred thousand more dollars or being with your family and having those moments that you can't replace, that you can't put a price on. What's more important? I get it. We all have to provide. The problem is, when is it enough? It's never enough for a lot of people. It's never enough. If you look right now, if you look at your, if you look at your personal situation right now, I promise you, whatever situation you are in right now, it is enough right now. With a few minor adjustments in your life and you do without with a few things, less cigarettes, less beer, less junk food, less shit that cost you wouldn't have to go out and grind to the bone where you're sleeping underneath desks and you're sleeping in cars. The problem is we're always trying to provide too much. We are spoiled motherfuckers in this world. We are so spoiled and we need more, more, more. I literally was having a thought about buying a tour bus. I don't know if I told y'all this. I was looking at tour bus, not just online. I scheduled appointments. I took my family and we looked at tour buses because I travel so much. These things, they don't give these away. And I was literally looking at these and trying to justify them. Like, you know what? When I'm not on tour, we could use it in the off season and travel. Yes, that's right. But you know what that does? That causes me to grind even harder to make that happen. The tires on that motherfucker are $1,000 a piece. There's 10 tires on those, and you got to replace them every six years. That's just one maintenance thing, okay? That's not all the other shit that goes into it. I was literally so close to pulling the trigger on getting one of these that it makes me sick to think about the position I was about to put myself in. I would have put myself in a position to grind even harder so I could keep that bus on the road and keep the bills paid. And then I thought about it. I said, you know what? What's wrong with my minivan? Fuck y'all. Don't even laugh at my minivan. I know y'all are laughing right now. I'm secure. I can drive a minivan. I also got a big ass truck. So I got best of both worlds, right? 
but y'all don't need to see the truck. You know, all you need to see is the minivan. What I'm getting at is this. Many times we grind because we're running from something and we need that purpose, right? And I understand this more than anybody. And I ain't saying more than anybody, but I get it. Trust me. I used to grind so hard because I was running from something. And this is, if anything, if I can press upon you this. If you stop running from stuff and you start facing it head on, you'll find yourself grinding less and you'll find out what's really important in life. What's really important in life is your happiness. Nobody wants to work to death. That's stupid. But I promise you this, people that do work like that, I know because I've been there, they're running from something most of the time, a lot of times. The people that work out, I've been into fitness my entire life. Listen, I know I can speak about this because I know the fitness world. I know how many people are eat up or ate up, whatever the proper terminology is, with that shit. I know the people that are obsessed with it, and I know they're running from something. There's one thing. Being healthy is one thing. Being in shape is one thing. But when you are obsessed with fitness, you're running from something. You're running from something. That's called body dysmorphia disorder. That's called bigorexia. These guys can't get big enough because all they see in the mirror is a little puny kid and they were got bullied when they were little and they don't want to be pushed around. They want to be intimidating and they want to use their fitness as a trophy to show other people, look what I am and look what you're not. I promise you, I've been around enough of these people in my life to know that what I'm talking about is the fucking truth. I get it. I've been around United States Marines that were like that. I've been around cops that were like that. I've been around firefighters like that. I've been around professional bodybuilders that are like that who have admitted openly to me in conversations that they are obsessed with it because of that. I've had conversations with people about it. Is everybody? No. But when you go to some chick's Instagram or some dude's Instagram and it's just them doing curls, it's some girl showing you how much she can deadlift, but it's only showing the backside of her. There's a reason for that. They need that attention. They need those fucking likes because that's what makes them feel alive. That's what gives them the validation to be on this earth. And it's fucking sad because you're worth more than that. Your purpose is not to lift all the weights in the world. Kevin Hart used to say the best joke in the world. He's like, motherfuckers got muscles on their eyelids. I'm not trying to be the best at working out. It's so ridiculous. I realize this now as a 40-something-year-old man. Look, I'm not, I'm not in the worst shape of my life. I'm not in the best shape of my life. But if you notice, most people in their 20s and 30s that are really obsessed with fitness, that's the age range that it falls in. Because they realize later in life when they hit their 40s and 50s, it's not as important. There's better things in the world than spending your life grinding in a gym to get a bunch of fucking muscles. What I'm getting back to is the individual grind, having your true purpose. And if you grind so much because you're obsessed with something, think about what you are missing out on in life. What's more important? Having all the muscles in the world and spending all those hours, all those days, never experiencing real life, never experiencing the taste of a cheeseburger because you had to make sure that sixth ab was popping out when you walked down the beach. What's more important? Grinding your whole life to make millions and millions and millions of dollars. So when you do have that and you have it for your family, you have just a few memories of your family over the years 
because you were too busy, obsessed with accomplishing a goal that doesn't mean anything to anyone other than you. I know this sounds like a dick thing to say, but as a man who has worked really hard to try to understand, I've been there. I trust me. I've been everything I'm talking about. I've been that. Then I realize, I realize now that there's more to life than being obsessed with things. There's more to life than grinding so much that all you have at the end of that, that grinding cycle is to be able to talk about it and to be able to tell other people, see how hard I worked when other people are looking at you and like, yeah, but see how much you missed along the way. I don't know if that makes sense or not. You know, like I tell people, I'm just a kid who barely graduated high school. So I don't have the right words and the right phrases sometimes that I don't know how to talk in other than other than any other way than being real. I, I use moments in my life to reflect on, to make sure that I don't make the same mistakes. And what I'm talking about is my favorite, the fa- my favorite period of my life. I think one of my favorite periods was when I was a Marine. I had the coolest job in the world. It was a Marine Corps infantry. We did the coolest stuff. We did all the things that a young man would want to do. A man, a young man that wants to go into the military anyway. You know, we get to fly in cool planes and like C-130s and stuff. We get to, to fly in helicopters all over the place. You get to go on patrols and, and, and do all these just cool things. You get to blow shit up. You get to shoot all the best weapon systems. You get to see the... The coolest places in the world. You get to pull up on at piers and, and see mothers out there with their daughters, hoping that you'll marry them to take them to a better land. It's crazy at the experiences you get. You get to pull up the countries where people don't use toilet paper, and you're like, "How do you wipe your ass?" And then you realize, "Wait, it's with your hand." Like you get to live. The best thing ever happened to me was get going into the military, getting outside of that small world that I lived in from that small town, and really understanding how big this world is, how diverse it is, how beautiful it is, right? The problem is anybody that served in the military will understand this. I had a lady one time. She came up to me and she was an Air Force veteran. And she goes, oh, you were in the Marines for how long? I said, four years. And she laughed. I'll never forget. She laughed in my face. She goes, hi, you couldn't take more than four. I did 20. And I looked at her and I go, what branch were you in? She said, Air Force. And I said, well, congratulations. I was Marine Corps Infantry. And that was the end of the conversation. I say that because of this. Our Our military experience was completely different. I guarantee you that woman, in the course of her 20 year career, didn't do what I did in four years, right? What I'm getting at is this. That sounds dickish for people who weren't in the military, but it's, there's a, that's one of those conversations that have always stuck with me because it just blew my mind that somebody in the military would say that to another member. Like, that's all you could do is for your And I'm sitting there like, you probably wouldn't last three minutes at my job. And I did it for four years. I hope you enjoyed your, your fucking air-conditioned office for 20 years. But that's like, that's like the secretary of the fire department. <laughs> retiring after 20 years, meeting the, a firefighter who worked there for four years 
and saying, why couldn't you retire? Why couldn't you? You see what I'm saying? There's just a difference in the jobs you do is what I'm getting at. It has nothing to do with sexuality. So y'all don't even take it there. What I'm getting at is this. When I look back at my military career, all I wanted was for it to hurry up and be over, right? I couldn't wait to get out of there because listen, I didn't, we didn't live in, in wonderful conditions all the time. Sometimes it was hot. Sometimes it was cold. Sometimes you were getting rained on. Sometimes you were filthy for weeks on end. Sometimes you felt like you were just utterly dying and it's not comfortable. So you want it to end. Yeah, you got the experience, but a lot of guys in the, in the infantry, I'm going to tell you right now, they bitch about it the whole four years. Like, man, fuck, I can't wait till I get out. Anybody that was in the military, I'm going to tell you right now, they look forward to that EAS, end of active service date. And that was us. And I'll never forget a letter that my father wrote to me when I was overseas. He wrote to me because I was telling him, you know, when I get back, I want to I want to fill out some applications. I want to become a police officer. I want to get on the fire department. I want to do, and he said, Travis, slow down. He goes, your time in service will be over before you know it. My dad wrote to me and told me back then, he goes, I've already been out of the military 30 years and it felt like just yesterday. Dude, I've been out of the military for 22 years now and it felt like yesterday. That's how fast it goes by. So what I'm getting at is I wish I would have slowed down and enjoyed what I had when I had it. I had the most amazing life a young man could ask for. You had free housing. You had your meals paid for. You got the title of United States Marine that didn't hurt you anytime you went out in town to talk to the ladies sometimes. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was so cool and we just wanted it to end. And I want each one of you right now, wherever you are in life, however miserable you think you are, I want you to stop looking forward to the finish line. And I want you to just, just take five minutes of your time today and think about how fortunate you are, wherever you are. Think about how fortunate you are to have exactly what you have in your life right now, because there are people that would pay all of the money in their bank accounts. There are people that would give up their family members to have the life that you have right now, however bad you think it is. There are people that would gladly trade places with you. And I want you to understand how fortunate you are and to say, you know what? I need to pump the brakes on looking so far ahead that I don't get to enjoy what I have right now. That's where I'm at in life. I know about grinding. Grinding will make you miss what's right in front of your face. You know what happens if you hold a rock to a grinding wheel and you never, you never pull it back up, you just hold it on there? It eventually grinds that rock down into nothing. Go out there and work hard. Accomplish your goals. You know, Be proud of what you create in life. But don't miss the forest for the trees. Don't sacrifice everything around you because you're running from something or you become obsessed with something so badly because that's exactly what's going to happen. Take it from a guy who's been there. I love y'all.